Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And before we get into this week's episode, I, of course, want to thank my patrons for continuing to support me. It helps in more ways than I can possibly put into words. Um, and as always, if you give to my Patreon at a certain level, you get a shout-out on this very podcast. So I'd like to provide those shout-outs now to Rob, Robert, MJ, and Case. Thank you so much. If you, too, would like to get a shout-out on the show, just go to patreon.com slash stormageddon. And uh, really, any level you help is is huge. Uh, it doesn't matter how much. Any, any amount of dollars or subscriptions or reviews and beyond really helped me grow the audience of this podcast. So thank you. Now on to our guest. Uh, my guest in this episode is the incredible Sage Young, who I've known for ages at this point. Um, she is the Bustle's movie editor, uh, movies editor, plural is important. Um, we have a great chat about nerd culture, about working at Bustle, about getting to have fun interviews with incredible people, and uh, what it's like to be a nerd in this current modern age. So without any further ado or delay, I would love for you to hear my interview with the incredible Sage Young. And and the first guest to bring a playlist, yeah, and the last guest to bring a playlist. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, mo- mostly just because, well, mostly because it was just so difficult to do an episode the same way we've always done an episode. Oh yeah. Um, but it was still a fun experiment, and fun. Um, I adore you and Kim. Um, I look forward to the head over feels year in review postcard we get every year because <laughs> we're on your mailing list for a physical holiday card, which we appreciate. We love doing those. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're one of probably the nerdiest people I know. And, you. and you, you're nerdy about very specific things, too. It's like, true. ride or die for both the Jonas Brothers and Hanson in a way that I've never, ever met before. Yeah, and One Direction. And One I Direction, mean, that's yeah. right. And, but Harry Styles as well, now that he's moved on, yeah? Well, all of them. I Oh, did they officially all I break s- up? I stand, no, they're not broken up. Oh, they're okay. on a hiatus, man. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> we live in this world <laughs> where they're on a hiatus. Uh, I support all of them. Yeah, they all have different stuff going on, and... Um, yeah, I don't know. I've just, like, since I was a kid, I've been a boy band person. Have you? And, yeah, like, in sync. I mean, I, and I would say probably, like, my first boy band that I fell in love with was Alvin and the Chipmunks. Like, I was, like, I mean, such... That's what they are, yeah. You know? That's exactly what they are. Like, I was obsessed with the 80s cartoon, and I was obsessed with the movie, The Chipmunk Adventure, where they go around the world. And, oh, like, yes, I remember that. Which, I will tell you, if you, like, rewatch it, that movie holds up. It is very funny. The songs are great. Um, my dad still, like, references it to me. Like, he remembers lines... <laughs> He remembers lines that I don't even remember, and sometimes he'll just, like, randomly text me something from it. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's sort of, like, weirdly... I don't know. I think sometimes people think it's strange that I'm super into Doctor Who and also into boy bands, but I don't know. It's it, it doesn't feel that di- it doesn't feel that different to me. I'm I'm trying to push out of the lexicon the word guilty pleasure because you should never be guilty no. about a thing you like. No. Um, and while I liked 
to give you hell back in the beginning about liking Hanson. I've also rescinded on it because their more recent stuff, like it does sound more kind of folks, folksy, rocky, instrument, like pop, like yeah, rock I mean, stuff. but also their stuff has always been that. Like right. their influences were They were, were just all, 12 when they, they were first started doing it. They were just 12, so they sounded like they were 12, but like they always played their own instruments. They always wrote their own music. Yeah. All their influences were classic rock and Motown. And if you listen to the early stuff, like it still has that. So yeah, that's sort of like, uh, that was sort of a frustrating thing where people are like, oh, they're back. And I was like, they've literally been making music this entire Yeah, they never time. went anywhere. And uh, they're great because there's actually this whole, and I will recommend it to your listeners, but they have a, um, there's a documentary that they did called Strong Enough to Break, which I think you can still get on iTunes, where basically it's the story of them like splitting from their label. Oh. Um, and I think it was their, I want to say it was their like four, third like major studio album because I think they released one kind of like, independently when they were even younger than mm-hmm. like the umbop um yeah and their and their uh their label was just sort of like well we need another hit we need another hit we need another hit and they were like this is the music we're making if you don't want it you don't want it right. you know and then they so they've been recording on their own label for I don't even know how many years, like 15 years. Yeah, they've probably been doing it since before it was cool to kind of have your own right, indie label. Right. Like they were just doing it because they had to. And yeah, so it's so I think people think like, oh, well, they're not because they're not as big as they were in the yeah. TRL days. But you look at somebody like that and you see the stuff that they're doing and it's like nobody wanted to be no. at that level. No. And certainly nobody wanted to be there for the rest of their lives. Like sure. they get to just like make the music that they want to make. They have this hugely passionate fan base still. Yeah. And they do all this really cool stuff. Like they I've never been to any of them just because I'm I, I, I don't know. I've never like waded really into like the community part of that fandom. But um they do like I think they I think they're from Tulsa, you know, and I think the mayor like declared a certain day like Hanson Day like <laughs> years, 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 years ago. They celebrate it every year. Oh, you cool. can go down and they do stuff like, I mean, they'll play shows and stuff like that, but then they'll also do like, they'll do like a live recording. So people in their fan club who can like go to a recording studio, sit outside the little, like literally watch them record. Oh, that's awesome. An EP that they put out every year just for specific fans. So they they try to do all these like cool different things to kind of like connect with the fandom. So yeah, if you don't listen to Hanson, get on it. They're great. (laughs) I went and saw them with the, uh, they did like a, they did a tour last year that was with symphony orchestras. Oh, cool. Yeah, they did like a bunch of their songs and, and some new ones like with an actual symphony orchestra um which was funny because people were just like are we supposed to are we supposed to stand do we sit the whole time i was like you sit the whole time you're yeah, at you don't the stand symphony. up at a symphony you're not like yeah not. like don't do it it's funny because like i mean you know me i'm a big music nerd and i try not to yuck anyone's yum and like i'm someone who also grew up listening to boy bands i loved the backstreet boys first two albums i loved nsync's first two albums yeah. you know i had 98 degrees first album i even had lfo's first album like boy i, I put lfo summer 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 girls yeah summer, uh, girls. summer girls on every summer playlist i ever make yeah and every time it comes you on everyone it. in the room just goes Oh, why? Yeah. I'm like, yes, your groans fuel me. Yeah, the lyrics are awful. The song is not good. But I just, it's, it's something about it that's catchy and is fun. And the, I love remin- reminiscing about it. Yeah. And the, one of the great things about boy bands is that, like, there are 
I would say legitimately great ones. Like yeah. whether you like the music they make or not, like they're really good at it. Like yeah. I think One Direction is great. I think Backstreet Boys are great. I think NSYNC is great. Like I think they were all like at the top of their game. And then there are ones like LFO where you're yeah. sort of like, this is what silly is this? and dumb. Yeah. But that's all a part of it. I was interviewing, I did like a big oral history for um, Queer as Folk for the specific storyline. And I, I can't remember who I was talking to. One of the producers, I think, and or maybe it was one of the writers. I can't. I don't remember. But he he said, and no one else had sort of pointed this out about that show. He was like, the beautiful thing about that show was the sort of mix of the dramatic and the very deeply silly. Uh-huh. Um, and people sort of remember the dramatic parts, yeah. but the deeply silly parts were also like in the bones of that. And so that's kind of how we feel about boy band fandom. It's like yeah. the silliness is also great because it feels like kind of uh anarchic to me like it's like especially for girls to just like embrace something that is just like very silly and um pleasurable and fun and designed for them without the you know outside of the judgment of other people which you get the judgment of other people in that world but like the beautiful thing about going to i started liking one direction like the last um, big tour that they did. So I got to go see them a couple times and I just remember stepping into the space and as like somebody who's in her mid-30s being like, oh my God, like look at all these girls yeah, and women just like having the best time sure, and not, and being like totally free of uh, having to feel silly about it, being totally free of inhibitions, you know, and there obviously are a lot of guys there too, but sure. that was the thing that really struck me. Um, so yeah, there's something political about liking boy bands. Yeah, I mean, also for me, like, if a band doesn't take themselves that seriously, Mm. like, I have not listened to a ton of Jonas Brothers music, but I, as I told you recently, have become a fan of them because I saw them on Hot Ones, and then I saw them release the, I think it was GQ, it was like a behind-the-scenes photo shoot about after Game of Thrones ended. Like, they have such a good sense of humor about themselves and about just kind of life in general that... I, I'm on board just for that. Like, even if I never listen to another song by them, if there's ever a video of them doing an interview, I'll watch it now because I know their sense of humor and I, and I enjoyed it. And that's important to me, too. Yeah, there's the documentary that they did um, about sort of the dissolution of the band and coming back together. It's on Amazon um, and it's called Chasing Happiness. And I, what I took away from that, like, as a fan, too, is as they're looking back on this stuff that happened, and it was basically... You know, it was a bunch of little things, but it was on some level like their relationship was just really strained. And um, but when they talk about it in this documentary, no one ever says, well, our parents pushed us to do this or Disney told us to do that or blah, blah, blah. When they talk about these decisions, you know, they're like, I wish we hadn't have agreed to do this right. Disney thing. They take, they, like, the responsibility. They take the responsibility for it, and they take responsibility not just for that stuff, but also, of course, for, like, you know, th- issues that they had with each other. Right. So then you see these, like, these, their family, they couldn't really, like, stay apart forever, but um, to see people just sort of say, like, hey, man, that was shitty. I'm sorry I did that to you. Yeah. And you can sort of feel that weight lifted yeah. when you see them now. So as somebody who's, like, watched them grow over the years, I was like, oh, they seem... I got to see this, like, random Spotify uh, fan concert that they did out in Brooklyn a couple weeks ago. And I was texting my friends who were big fans of them who live in other cities. And I was just like, guys, they're, like... They look so happy. <laughs> like, they're just... They're, they're in it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
It's it's nice to see and people I, I swear, that. listeners, Sage uh, does like other things besides boy bands. I do, yeah. We can talk about other stuff. Um, um, we well, so, all day, but, yeah. so I want to talk about the things that you work on because, of course, I first met you when you were only really working on, I mean, you had other things, but your focus was Head Over Feels, mm-hmm. your blog and website where you do a ton of really cool stuff. Um, I am always a fan of your... Um, polls and contests, even though my boys never win. I'm so sorry. And I'm very sad. It's always hard. Because they're the hot boys that I love are unorthodox hot boys, and so they rarely we love win. love unorthodox hot boys. I know. But um, where did the... That's why they're nominated. And you can find a much older episode of the Crash Chords podcast, which was my old music review show with um, Sage and her partner Kim, talking about the site. But for those who may not know, talk a little bit about Head Over Feels and how like it came to exist. Sure. Were, were you and Kim friends first and then decided to work on this project together? Yes. But funny story, we sort of had me- we had mutual friends and had known each other for years, but had really only hung out at like parties. We had these friends who had this crazy apartment and we were all in our early 20s and this was like they would have a theme party twice a month and it was always just really crazy and I would see her there and we were like hi hello friends and then I had moved to Philadelphia for a couple years and then I came back and we went out and we did something and our friend Angel who was one of the people who lived in the apartment was just like she just sort of sat back and was like I don't I don't understand why you two aren't best friends. Like, this just this <laughs> seems weird to me. And uh, the, I think the first time we sort of, like, hung out outside of, like, other people, I think we were we were studying for We had found that there was, like, a friend's trivia mm-hmm. that we wanted to go to, which then became we both worked for that company. She still <laughs> works there. I don't work there anymore because I, I had to give it up because of my job. But they're great. They're called Trivia AD. They're in New York and some other places too. But um, they do all kinds of pop culture trivia. Plug, plug, plug. Um, so yeah, so that was the first thing we did was like yeah. to study for this friend's trivia. And I remember going to her, her apartment for the first time to watch something and being like, you have X-Files DVDs, you know? And it was just like, <laughs> that was that. And um, so pretty early on, I would say, in that part of our friendship, we started talking about just putting some stuff down because I think we were both really not creatively fulfilled in our careers. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us really had a creative career at that point in time. Sure. Like, I was working in nonprofits and she um, was doing like a finance manager stuff. Um, so yeah, so we just sort of started talking about throwing something together. And the beauty of that site is really it's just kind of whatever we want it to be. Sure. You know, because we weren't like, oh, well, someday Vulture will buy this. Or it, it it's not really made for um, ads or making money. And it doesn't make <laughs> any money. Um, we just really needed an outlet. Um, and so we started just sort of doing some recaps, some like random one-off posts. It's really funny to me to go back and look. It's It's six and a half years old now, it's funny to go back and look at the things that we posted in like the first month. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is like th- just a 300 word, oh, word yeah. vomit thing about something, you know, and then, and then, it, and then it got to be a little bit more refined. Um, and we have some other great contributors who um, work on it. Uh, our friend Sarah is a uh, Will and Grace recapper. She's also written some other great stuff like sh- about share uh, and cheers she's like our like she's like our vintage oh, nice. fandom person um shannon writes recaps for um this is us and um, maggie does a lot of fashion content um like post award shows and stuff like that also a lot of our like 1d stuff too so yeah it's kind of just it's it's just sort of us because we have a just lot of doctor being who nerdy however it. you yeah. want it. yeah yeah and we and the poll that you mentioned was that every year we elect the year's most handsome young man 
which is a community reference because sometimes people are like, he's not young. I'm like, mm, he's yeah. a young man. Whoever yeah. it is, he's a young man. I don't right. Know. Like uh, last year, um, what's his name from um, who's playing Michael? Um, in oh, Ted Danson. Ted Danson, yes. Ted Danson is a very handsome young man. Why, why couldn't I remember his name? Yeah, but National Ted Danson Treasure. was on it. Um, although Danson. I believe that year William Jackson Harper got my vote because mm, like the, the shirtless chidi scene like just oh, like like I was already by uh, uh, bisexual standing most of that cast and then that happened and I was like oh, okay we're here everyone this was is like everything. what are you kidding me <laughs> and this is happening my favorite thing is to go back what? and listen to several different episodes of the good place the podcast everyone talks about it every time Mike um um What's his name who plays Sean will always, Mark Evan Jackson will yeah. always bring it up anytime he can. And you can he hear William Jackson Harper shrink the minute it comes up. I know. And it's, it's um, adorable. It's, it's really funny. It's adorable. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I became a fan of the site through my spouse, Sarah, who introduced us. And we met through the 24-hour plays and some other stuff. Um, and I remember following it because I was watching all of the WB-verse. Flash, mm. Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. And then I fell off on that show. So did we. And, okay. so, and then you guys also stopped writing it. But it was one of those things where it was fun to read the GIF recaps yeah. after watching the show because I know how I felt about it. And those shows worked sometimes. They didn't work sometimes. People still love them. I haven't gotten back into them. But, like... Uh, I always thought it was interesting the way you guys did your recaps because the GIF recaps were very unique. Maybe not to you, but they're very much an internet thing. And mm. what I lo- I, as now I speak in a language of reaction GIFs on, on Twitter most right. of the time, uh, to my friend's dismay, mm-hmm. uh, I, I love that idea. This idea that not only do you, are you writing about this thing that you're watching, but you're putting these moments in time either from that fandom or another fandom to emphasize those moments. Mm. Was there a formula to writing those GIF recaps? Or <laughs> is it just kind of like however you felt it should work? I would, uh, we did give recaps for certain things. We, we did them for Scandal. Yeah. Um, and a couple other things. Because we, we also do like a lot of full out written ones. But right. Scandal, it just seemed to make sense because it was like, uh, why would you write 2,000 words on the show that like <laughs> barely makes any sense? And I love Scandal. I love it. I, it. But it was just made for that kind of, because everything, every two minutes you're designed to have a really intense reaction. Right, because it's so dramatic. Right, as opposed to most other shows where, like, you maybe have, like, two or three moments during the episode. This is, like, every moment you're supposed to be shocked. So we would just sort of take notes, and then I'd pair the notes down, and I was like, what gift do I want to use for this? But a couple times we sort of challenged ourselves, like, just for fun, and one time I was like, I'm going to write this entire Scandal gift cap only using Jillian Anderson's face. And (laughs) so that was a fun one to put together because, like, who has created more reaction gifts? That's true, especially from the X-Files alone. Yeah, alone. alone. Um, X-Files, I know, is another thing you're very passionate about. We had hosted several screening parties for the new series, which was a huge disappointment. (laughs) But, you know, we were excited at the time. We were excited at the time. There Um, were some standout, pretty okay episodes. Yeah, and there were okay moments. Yeah. Um, But what I'm curious about is, you know, shows like the X-Files and stuff that's been over, although some of them do come back. Are there any old fandoms that you wish were still running that you could write about or things you might want to go back and write about? That's a really great question. Um, I... So my job, right now I'm the movies editor at Bustle. My job used to be, uh, I was one of the TV editors. Right. And so there's just so much content that, like, I felt like I could never really choose what I was watching in my spare time because even in my spare time I had to be keeping up on stuff that I had to do for work. So as soon as I moved over to the movies role, I was like, oh, I can watch whatever I want to on TV. And that involved like 
watching all of Cheers. Like, you know, it was like, I want stuff that I'm never going to have to write about for work. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I've, I've been wanting to do something about Sam Malone for a really long time. I mean. As we mentioned, National Treasure, Teddy Danson. I just love that character so, so much. And mm-hmm. I love his performance so, so much. And it broke my heart on the Good Place podcast when he was like, I felt really uncomfortable behind a bar. Yeah, apparently, apparently, like... He's not. I don't know that he's ever gone explicit into the details, but apparently Cheers wasn't as idyllic as we envisioned it to be. Yeah, like he's I get it. proud of the work he did, but I think there it wasn't the most perfect set for him. I'm guessing, which makes sense. I mean, he was a young guy, and also all the stories surrounded him falling in love or not with these women, mm-hmm. and like it was a, he, his character now still holds up to a degree, but there are definitely stuff that is not great. Right. That they made him do that. They then. would regress him for the sake of the story when you're right. like, oh, but this isn't. Like, yeah. We've been watching him for eight years. You know, he's not that guy anymore. But um, yeah, that's sort of, I, I guess, the older sitcom um, sort of standard. But yeah, like, I'd love to do something about that. I've, I, I'm about to, I keep telling myself I'm going to do this, but I, I need to do a Mad Men rewatch. And I know everyone in the world has written about Mad Men, but that was one of those things where, that was one of those shows where. Recapping was an art. Yeah. Like I would read the Matt Zellerzeist uh, like as soon as they were up in the yeah. morning after a Mad Men episode, and I just felt like it was like that was the second half of the experience. Like it was not complete until not only because there were references that you know someone would dig into that you hadn't noticed, but also just that show was just sort of made to be analyzed. Yeah. Would you believe I still haven't seen it? Really? I really oh, haven't. That and Breaking so Bad. And wonderful. it's it, The problem with those shows, I think, now is I know they're 90% dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't have room in my There's brain for There's a lot of comedy in, in both, uh, I would there? say. But, because, uh, like, right yeah. now I'm watching a lot of 30-minute comedies. Yeah. Good Place, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Love. Um, this season, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has gone back to more comedy, which I'm very it was excited so about. so dark for a while. So long, but this new season has had funny moments, like hmm. really funny moments that like I haven't felt since like season one or two, hmm. which is pretty neat. Um, but like I just, the, my problem with watching 45-minute dramas is I just, I'm so worked up about the world around us that I want to unplug and yeah, disconnect. Yeah, that's really fair. And so like a lot of the TV shows I've actually been watching are non-narrative, like uh, Adam Savage of Mythbusters just got a brand new show called Savage Builds, where it's mm-hmm. him just building crazy shit, which I love. Love it. Um, you know, I watched uh, Adam Ruins Everything. Mm-hmm. I've caught up on all of that show because I love Adam Conover. And it's it's narrative, but in a very bizarre way with a lot of facts. And it, it just makes me hopeful because every episode is like, here's all the thing that's terrible, and here's how we make it better. Yeah, this is why I love Queer Eye. Yes, sure. <laughs> for the same reason. Um, but uh, I do want to circle back to you working for Bustle because, well, A, knowing you as long as I have now, that is the perfect job for you. <laughs> and also for me, as someone who knows your personality, seeing you on camera doing a lot of these interviews with with stars from these different movies, you're you have such a natural charm to you that it's really awesome to get to see you interact with these people. When you first started doing this for Bustle, were you nervous to interview these stars? Or? I'm literally terrified every time I Oh, do you it. really? Yeah. Like, every time. Are you just... Well, I mean, a lot of people say don't meet your heroes, and so, of course, you're worried, like, what if this person turns out to be not great? Or, like, what if we don't get along? Or I just rub them the wrong There's way? There's just so many things that can go wrong, <laughs> you know? And I, fortunately, I've never dealt with anybody who has not been cool, you know? I think sure. people have different... 
people deal with press tours in different ways. Sure, and some course. people are super talkative and some people are just sort of like, ah, I want to get out of here. <laughs> right. But they've never been like unkind or like shut down or anything like that. But it's such a weird, for those of you who have not been on a press junket, I'm going <laughs> to describe it to you because it's like the weirdest thing ever. Um, so you go, it's normally in a hotel. Uh-huh. You go to the hospitality suite. They have like coffee and stuff and you check in and they're like, it'll just be a little while. It's not. It's like yeah. hours um, depending on how big the junket is. Um, so you end up just sort of like sitting in a room and they call you like you're at the doctor's office. So uh-huh. they'll be like, Sage, can I can I take you for Taryn Edgerton? And you're like, sure. And then they like walk you down the hall and you sit. There are like three chairs like right outside this other hotel room. Uh-huh. And then you sit there and you wait and you kind of move down the chairs. And then they call you in and then it's a hotel room, but it has like a setup like you, me, and this microphone, but like a hundred times, not even a hundred times, 50 times, you know, they yeah. have the whole setup. They have the backdrop. They're yeah, sitting yeah. there waiting for you. They got the, you hit your head on the boom mic every time <laughs> for me. And then they're like, you have four minutes and then you have to slate. So I have to say, say Jack Bustle. And then you have four minutes with the person. And then there's somebody in the corner doing like the wrap up hands yeah. or like giving you the two minute or the one minute. So it's just very an, an unnatural way <laughs> to, to do meet that. a human being. Sure. Um, but, it's also really fun, especially like I said, Taron Edgerton, because we did I did the Rocket Man junket sure. um, in London a couple of um, weeks, I guess months now ago, and uh, people kept coming back into the room and being like, "Oh, he's in a really great mood." He's uh, and I was like, "Yeah, he's in a great mood." Like this movie is so much better than Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> and he saw Rami Malek win that Oscar. Like, and he just seems like a nice guy, you right, know? But yeah. like, you know, when 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 people feel good about the work that they've done. Sure. It's really fun to talk to them about it because yeah. they're jazzed. Um, the hard thing is, is that you just sort of know that when you go into a room, you're asking something that probably somebody has asked before you. Oh yeah, it's probably very rare that you had <laughs> an original question. Although, like some of the bustle pieces seem like it. Like I mentioned earlier, the the Pokemon press junket you did, and you interviewed Justice and Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on a first name basis now. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. Um, but and and several other cast members and like you talked about like if they were a Pokemon what Pokemon they would be yeah and, and some other things like, a like would that you rather we uh, always try to pitch a game if, yeah if it's a unless it's like something deeply serious you know I did like Girl in the Spider's Web and I was gonna yeah. be like let's play a game because it's like <laughs> about like women being battered um so unless and sometimes they'll be like oh you know we just really want to do interviews we're not really doing game concepts but if there's an opportunity to do like a little trivia game or something that's really fun the one i did with um i got uh, it was actually the same day and in the same hotel as the rocket man junket but i did late night uh-huh. which was mini kaling and Emma oh yes, yes here you go for something that was like being nervous before you walk in the room this is what happens when i walk in the room i'm the first person they have for um mindy and emma and they're in the room together and they give me they gave me a double slot, which meant I had like 10 minutes with them because they oh, knew wow. I was going to do a game. So that was great because then you don't feel super rushed. But I sit down and Emma Thompson, and I'm not going to do her accent because I can't. And she's like, are you going to be on camera, darling? And I said, yeah. And she goes, you have lipstick on your teeth just there. Oh, no. And so, but then when I told people that story, and I wasn't really that embarrassed at the time, but sure. when I told people that story, they were like, if anyone in the world could tell you that you had lipstick on your teeth, like it's, Emma Thompson was like the Thompson. best yeah. person. Sure. And like, thank goodness, I had her first because if I had had like the Rocket Man guys first, like they, they weren't going to tell me. No, dudes are not going to, right? You, Isn't that right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, well, so I'm in the burlesque scene, so I see a you, lot of yeah, makeup yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah. so I might notice that, but yeah. But they'd be the worried that person, they offend you when, yeah. when it's really like, can you imagine if I got 10 minutes of footage? 
footage back and I just had, <laughs> it, it would have yeah. been awful. Um, and she was so sweet about it and really, really funny. But we did something with them that we've done with a couple other, if it's like a office or like workplace themed, we'll uh-huh. kind of give them like common office problems and how you would deal with them. So that was really fun. That's so we'll cool. do like themed questions if we can. And so the on-camera stuff, because the videos ends up being between two and five minutes. Right. Um, and so usually you'll record for five to ten minutes and then just cut it down to, to that. Yeah, they give you, uh, the last thing you do when you leave these junkets is that they give you, they check the little video cards and then they give them to you and then You just I, have all the footage. Yeah, and I just drop them off with our awesome video team and... You know, That's they awesome. put cuts they make you together. Look awesome. and, yeah, I was like, oh, thanks. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a fun process. But the first time I did it, I was just like, I I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> and also, like, no one kind of walks you through it. Uh-huh. You're just sort of there. Do you have one uh, personality or celebrity that you've met that you were the most nervous to meet? Oof. Oh, man. I don't know. Oh, I mean, hard. saying that you're nervous about all of them means that you're nervous about all of them. I but, am. Um, I am. At, I mean, well, okay, so let's shift gears. You're also a big Doctor Who nerd. Yes. And you've been to Galley One um, a thousand times at this point, however many years that's been happening. I think, I think last year was my sixth. Um, do you still get nervous meeting any of the cast from Doctor Who, or is it just such old hat for you because <laughs> you've met several of them multiple times? Um, uh, I mean, the people you've met multiple times is like, it's great to see them again. Right. Um, we have so much fun with Paul McGann. Like, literally well, you, you've met him. You've around. met him so many times. He's the greatest. And also, like, the, I, what I was so happy about with Paul McGann is like, I like that Doctor Who movie. It's not a great movie, but I like it. But what's great is that after the War Doctor and all of that, and they did that radio play with him and like brought him back into the zeitgeist. I mean, Night of the Doctor, yeah. when that dropped at like three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> I lost it. It was so good. And like, it's cool to see him having so much fun with the fandom because when yeah. he was the Doctor, the internet wasn't the way it is now. No. And like, you know, in. Kind of the same with um, Christopher Alkiston, who's my favorite, mm-hmm. who I know is fairly lovely in person, yeah. but has had a difficult past with the production of Doctor Who. Right, but not with the fandom. Right, right. But was it's such a bummer to me that when when he was the Doctor and he's my favorite Doctor, the internet wasn't the way it was now. So we don't have the access to like that's why there were so many finger quotes horror stories that weren't real because. It was all hearsay because there was no internet visibility of Doctor Who like there is now. It's so gross, too, because uh, um, Camille Kadori and, um, oh, my God, why I'm the worst person. Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Noel Clark. Right. Yeah. They did did a couple cons a couple years ago. And people in these Q&As, like, at least in one person in their Q&As would be like, what happened with – and they were just like – Really, on, man? Right. Like, Why would you ask that? Also, that now is that you think they've never been asked this before. Right. That suddenly they're going to decide to speak for this person who is their friend, yeah, or at least their colleague, and uh, it was just it was ridiculous. It drives me bonkers as an interviewer, though I don't consider myself to have any of the chops that professionals do um, on my little podcast, but like. You don't want to ask someone something that's going to make them uncomfortable. Then you're not going to get any useful right. information or yeah. make it entertaining for the listener. The, the average listener or fan of that person doesn't want to hear BS or drama. They want to hear what makes that person happy, why they do what they do, like all of that kind of stuff. And so I never understood that kind of thing. I don't understand it either. At the same time, I 
you know, you worry. I I worry that I care too much about being liked. Yeah. But also, I think it's different. It's different when you're moderating a panel at sure. a con. Obviously, you're just like hey, these people are guests. You yeah. know, like you're not there to kind of stick it to them and ask tough questions. People kind of did that when um, Stephen Moffat was at Galley too. Like, and they were like <sighs> raising hands, like why are you not? And it was just like this is not the venue for no. that. And also. He's a writer, and he's going to eviscerate you. And he eviscerated everyone who came for him, which was amazing to watch. Because whether you like how he writes women or not, you're not going to get one up on a professional writer. It's not going to happen. Like, if you want to embarrass yourself, that's fine. And then, you know, if I'm doing something that's like a print interview where there is something that comes up that is maybe a harder question, but I do want to ask, there are ways of doing that, you know. Sure. First of all, it's not the first thing you ask. Um, secondly, it's like a really good way of doing it is just being like, this is what some people are saying. This is a quote from whatever. This is the backlash. Some people are upset about this. What's your response to that? Because right. then it's not like, I think this about this thing that you did. Yeah. Explain it to me. You're not, they're not on the defensive that No, way. it's You're- not combative. It's like, here's this thing. Here's your chance to respond to it. And yeah. I, and even when the questions have been tough with that, they're never, attacking that person right and it's more like a perception thing and for the most part i found that when you were to question that way people are like happy to air their side of it sure of course because they want to set the record straight and they have an answer right of course well of course they do yeah you know because whatever it is like they obviously thought it was fine so um i know that's like super vague but Paul (laughs) again is great we did uh he was our first like main stage panel that kim and i did and we do like kind of like what we did with the Detective Pikachu thing. We did like a this or that panel because Paul had been coming to um, Long Island who, which doesn't really exist anymore, but he had been coming every year and he does the same panels all the time. Yeah. And we love hearing his stories about the movie and we love hearing his stories about Big Finish and all that stuff, but we were like, we really want to do something different with him. And so our first thing was pitching that as like our press interview. And then a friend of ours was like, I would I would like to watch that. I would like to watch that panel. And so we pitched it to programming and they were like, yeah, sounds great. And we met, we not met him because we met him before, but we saw him that day in the press room and we told him what was going to happen. And we were like, so there are going to be questions like, and he was like, no, no, no don't prep me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. He's like, we'll just see what happens. Amazing. And uh, we had a blast. We found out his porn name, which is Cuddles Jubilee. Mm. We did not ask that. Somebody else did. Or no, he offered it. <laughs> um, and just we learned all kinds of fun things about him. And it was really funny because his birthday is always that weekend. Uh-huh. And they had this big blown up birthday card. And we walked past, they, you could just sign it as you walk by. And we yeah. walked past it. And like 10 people were like, happy birthday, Cuddles Jubilee. And I was like, this is my contribution. That's amazing. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah. How do you feel about uh, Jodie Whittaker, the current doctor? Oh, I love her. I also got to meet her. I got to. Meet I her. know. I, I saw that photo too. Um, yeah. Uh, I love the new series. I think it's the best it's been in a long time. I think it's needed an ensemble for a long time. I've been yelling that since the Rory days because yeah. having <clears throat> two companions with the doctor was way better than anything that had really come before in a while, and having now a giant group of people traveling together just is fun and like getting different reactions and the fact that none of the current cast are incompetent like they if they go off on their own they might get into trouble but also they can probably get themselves out of it sure she she saves the day on the whole but for the most part it's the power of the team not Mm -hmm. just the doctor which is kind of nice yeah i would 
I think in the next season, I'd like a little bit more serialization, sure. just because that's sort of my personal preference, and I know that's not the same for everybody. Um, I would love for them to give Yaz more to do, because yeah, I adore her, fair. and she did not really have... I mean, and that's the problem with having a crowded TARDIS, right? Like, it's, yeah. And I felt like this season, like, great, we got, like, the Graham and Ryan... Yeah like really emotional storyline which was beautiful that was i was like i'm not sure about bradley walsh i love he's him so great he's adorable yeah and uh, i can't wait for him to start going to cons like i yeah. want to get a picture with bradley walsh <laughs> and it's funny too because at first i had the same thought i'm like oh like it's you know these two younger kids and an older guy and like how is this going to work but it's been it's been fantastic yeah to watch them all evolve and grow i love jody whitaker um i discovered Two weeks ago, and binged it within a week. Um, that David Tennant does a podcast. Oh yeah, he has a pot called exactly that, David and he's done. It's mostly with people he's either who have either are part of the Doctor Who fandom or just random inserts. But a yeah. lot of them are connected to the Doctor Who fandom, which is pretty cool. But his interview with Jody, first of all, at two times speed, is almost unlistenable because oh, they both talk Their so fast. Are, um, uh, yeah. But it was such a delight to hear the two of them talk and like Jody confide in him and talk about how she spoke to him when she got the news and to find out how that support group of former doctors support each other is pretty really neat to hear. Yeah. Because I had no idea that existed and it's kind of a cool thing to know that like when new doctors get it, like the old doctors reach out and like they try and talk to each other. Like that's pretty neat, I think. It was it was funny. I, I feel like this has happened the last few times where, you know, because there are those odds makers and I remember the day that they were announcing the new doctor and I think it was like the night before it was like all of a sudden the odds went way, way, way up for yeah. Jody. And it just made so much sense sure. because of Chibnall working on Broadchurch and um, she's just a good fit, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seemed really likely. And it seemed like she was at the level in her career where that made sense for her. You know, people were like, Tilda Swinton. I was like, Tilda Swinton is she not... She doesn't need that. And she's not going to go and do that for four years of her life. You no. know, not necessarily that Jody is going to do that either, but... Um, yeah, I just I think she is like the she's light in the right ways. Yeah. I would love to see a little more anger from her. Mm-hmm. Um but I thought it was in terms of them I think trying to bring on new fans yeah. and make it really accessible, that was successful. Um and I try not to like as a fan coming in for a, who's been there for a while. I try yeah. not to begrudge that. Right, of course. Um, but yeah, I I love it. I just I just kind of I just want, you more. want more. Of course, yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a fan of something and still wanting it to be better. I listen to another podcast called The Infinity Pod and it's all about pop culture through the lens of the MCU and most of them often say because they're filmmakers to some degree actors, you know, involved in the industry, like these movies are good, but they could be better. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I like this, but want more of it. Yeah. And I think a lot of fandoms get really toxic because everyone gets on the defensive the minute someone says, this isn't okay. And it's like, something could be bad. Like, there, I, I viewed moments of Endgame, and I'm still not going to spoil this stupid movie, <laughs> but like, what they did with Thor, at first I was very opposed to mm-hmm. being, you know, it's related to body positivity, and I was just like, this was wrong. But then as I watched the movie more than once, I was like, no, this is good, how they handled some of the scenes were not good. Sure. And yeah. like, and like, your opinions of things, if they don't work for you, can evolve. I just hate, like, 
And I'm curious how you feel about this being someone who's steeped in fandom similarly similarly to me. Like, I hate the Star Wars fandom at this point. I love Star Wars, Mm -hmm. but I hate the fandom for the bullshit they put Daisy Ridley through Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, oh, what's her name? Kelly. Kelly Marie Tran. Like, all that nonsense. I'm like, I'm done with this fandom. Uh, I want to still engage in it, but, like, I'm talking to my friends about this stuff. I don't care about the greater conversation unless I can boost those who have more authority for change than I do. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so sick of toxic white men, don't at me, being shitty on the internet. Right. Mostly to women, but to a lot of other people. Um, have you repelled to any fandoms because of how the, the fans treat the source material? Do you find that there have been fandoms that are too much for you to bear? Um, I don't know that I've ever really been deep into one and then backed out. Right. I think I more have... I more have... I'm hesitant to get into ones that I think are going to be too much for me. Like I mentioned Hanson before. I, God bless those people. I'm terrified (laughs) of them. They're just, I just don't know them. And I, and the, the little bits of, of things that I see, I'm just like, I don't know that I can roll with you. Right. Also because that's a band I started liking before the internet was a huge deal. So I didn't know who they were or where they were at any given time. They all have a million kids. I don't know their names. You know what I mean? It's like that yeah, yeah. was never the personal aspect of it. I was just like, I like their songs. Um, so that's something I never got into. Star Wars, like I think I'm like base level. Like right. I'm not like deep in discussions of that online probably yeah. for the same reason. Doctor Who is interesting because I feel like I've, through conventions and through podcasts and through friends, I've met like a great, amazing group mm-hmm. of people who I have my talks with them. Yeah. And we'll still put stuff on the internet and people are still kind of jerks about it. Um, but I think there's enough like goodwill in that fandom if you have if you have people to go to. Sure. And it's a really accepting, you know, the people who people who are running like the big podcasts like Radio Free Scarrow and Verity yeah. are like the nicest, most welcoming human beings in the world. And you walk up to them at a con and say, this is my first time and I don't know what I'm doing. They yeah. will like point you in the right direction or That's hang awesome. out with you for a bit, you know? So, um, hi guys. I love you. <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't know. What else? I, I feel like the way you feel about Star Wars is how I feel about Harry Potter. I'm one of those yeah. sacrilegious people who only saw the movies. I didn't uh. read the books. I haven't seen the new movies. But like now everything I see with J.K. Rowling being an officially terrible person, I feel like I'm kind of glad I'm not in that fandom. Because mm-hmm. that said, I don't fault anybody who's still a fan of it to try and want to take it back from the author and like make it their own and still love it. Like You don't have to stop loving something because the original creator is shit because the books already exist. And they have little input on the video games and other things, you know, they have input on the movies. But, like, you should still continue to love the thing that you do. But I I don't want to fight with that fandom because she's turned out to be a pretty shitty person who says terrible things on the internet without thinking. And it's like, I don't need to engage in that. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about the Star Wars fandom, which I'm very nerdy for. And I want to make my own kind of fan base stuff that I'm thinking of diving into. But, like, I just, I don't think I want to engage in the greater conversation directly. Mm -hmm. Like, if people want to say bullshit on the internet, then fine. I'd much rather boost the voices who have more influence than I do mm-hmm. than say something back myself because yeah. I'm done fighting with trolls on my own social media. <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. I don't have the mental capacity for it. I'm also a big fan of just like curating your feed. You I know? am the same way. If now you... that I know it's an echo chamber, then I just make it what I want it to be. Right. Also, you're not winning any arguments on Facebook. Exactly. People who are like, no, you should read other opinions. I'm like, not about 
Star Wars, for no, example. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. I don't need to listen to those people. I don't need to listen to the Doctor Who fans who say that it's been taken over by social justice warriors as if it hasn't been political from the jump. Um, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, that I made doesn't an expand angry... the conversation. <laughs> I made an angry tweet the other day about people who are yelling about keeping politics out of their whatever. And I'm like, I've got news for you. These things have been political since before you were since born. Since before you were like born. Like recently, um, um, there's a new tariff going out on, on video game consoles. And it'll kill the video game industry because everything's made mm. overseas because it can't yeah. be made here. And so like the big companies, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft are banding together to fight it. And some asshole commented going, oh, I keep my politics out of video games. I'm like, have you played anything in the last 30 years from Call of Duty to God knows what else? Like, it's already here. You just don't want to look at it's it or like, ignore it. You're a cliche. Like, yeah. do you hear yourself? <laughs> right. Like we. That's such a common <laughs> thing to say and is always dumb that now it's like, almost, it's a meme practically. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They don't know. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know they that they're They think it's smart memes. still. They're like, ah, oh, got them. Like, okay. <laughs> Um, so how long have you been with Bustle now? Um, I started writing for them part-time, I want to say like four and a half years ago. Awesome. Maybe almost five. And you're still writing. Besides doing the video interviews, you're still writing for them, right? Yeah. M- I mean, most of my day is editing and just sort of running my section. So yep. um, I am the sole movies editor um, on the entertainment team. Like we have like three TV editors, obviously, because there's way more content. Yeah. Um, but I'm the only movies one and I have um, a bunch of part-time writers. So most of my day is not doing anything like glamorous or cool. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, it is cool because I like them, but like, you know, it's working with our writers and assigning articles sure. out, um, editing stuff and literally getting it up on the site. And so when I write, it's usually a profile or an essay or, you know, because I don't get to do it that often. Right. So maybe like, Hopefully, like, one big thing a week if I can. Um, do you have, since you're the movies editor, do you have a favorite movie of 2019 so far? So far? Hmm. Because, like, my go-to favorite movie, I was going to say Enter the Spider-Verse, but that was actually last year. Right. And so that can't carry over. I mean, it can. It just came out on Netflix, but... Um, <sighs> That's so hard. I um, know, especially since I'm sure you watch twice as many movies as I do. I don't know. I, I don't know that... I, I mean, I saw Far From Home already, uh-huh. and I did love it. Can't tell me anything. I won't tell you anything. I think I it's... can't wait. You know, End, Endgame was Endgame. It, like, served yeah, the purpose that it needed to serve, and it was great in its own ways. But at the same time, it's it's also not, like, a movie. It's, it, like, it's, a it, event. It is, yeah. Yeah. And, and I've watched it multiple times now, and I still cry at the same places because it hits those emotional cores sure. for me. Not, I think, because the movie was great or bad. I think it's just because I have an attachment to this universe now since the first movie, since the first Iron Man, that's so powerful that I don't think... It didn't matter how well it was written. I would have still gotten emotional. Right, yeah, Whereas I'm looking forward to Far From Home because, first of all, I love Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I like this universe of Spider-Man. The actor who plays Flash Thompson is by far the best depiction of Flash Thompson we've ever had. And so I'm very excited to laugh again and, like, be back in the Spider-Man universe and just have a good time. Yeah, without spoilers, it just, it's... Because that's telling a specific story, it felt like a cohesive film in the way that Endgame feels like an event that we're all just like right. looking at stuff constantly. Um, and I think, uh, you know, even though uh, I grew up with Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and I still love it, um, you know, Tom Holland is just extraordinary. Really well, I really think he's wonderful. I don't think as a movie anything's going to be better than Spider-Man 2. 
Yeah. Um, just the actors and the performances. And even Spider-Man 1, Willem Dafoe's performance as the Green Goblin is still one of my favorite villain performances. That's so true. In history. The scene where he argues with himself in the mirror holding the pa- newspaper. Right, like, right. Um, but I, what I love about Tom Holland is he looks like Spider-Man from the comics. He's young, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's muscular but not jacked. He's not this well, giant he's person. And he's a dancer, which is so smart to cast a dancer. Also, yeah. have you seen his lip sync battle? Of course I have. <laughs> okay, it's funny, I saw an interview with him recently. He said he's at the point, like someone asked, what is he tired of? And he's like, honestly, as proud as I am of it, I am tired of people asking okay, me about my um, lip sync battle. Well, Tom, maybe you should do another one <laughs> right? and we'll talk about something <laughs> that else. That Rihanna lip sync battle, like I watch it and I, I feel like a dirty old man. I've like, shown it I'm, to so many people. I'm so attracted to him in that moment. I'm like, I'm just too old for Everyone. that. One is. It's just unbelievable. And my favorite part is watching uh, LL Cool J lose his mind. Yeah. Like, what am I watching? What just happened? He does a death drop. I was it's just like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, when I find out that someone hasn't seen it and I get to show it to oh, them me for the first time, my it's favorite like, thing. what a joy. I had friends. I'm, I'm part of a, a Discord server for a, a Marvel podcast, and I shared it recently because I rewatched it and fell in love with it again. Mm-hmm. And, like, several people in that chat were just like, oh, I'm just so tired of seeing this. I see it all the time. I'm like, how could you be? How can you be tired of it's it? It's just so good. It's also so short. It's like... I know. Um, all the stuff with him and Jake Gyllenhaal on the press tour has been so great. So like good. Jake Gyllenhaal uh, is truly having the time of his life. Yeah, um, and like and I support that. I always noticed that he had a good sense of humor about himself, but now that he has like an Instagram and I'm watching his stories and stuff, like he just doesn't take any of this seriously. Do you and know it's this, so good. Like the cat that might be his on Instagram. No, Miss mm-hmm. Fufflestilts cat. <laughs> no, I'll have to look it up. Is, is it rumored that it's his cat? Well, he will comment oh, on, on the cat post. Someone, I think, like one of the, and it's the cutest. It's one of those cats that have the really flat face mm-hmm. that just look like stuffed animals. And uh, somebody commented on it and was like, "Is this at Jake Gyllenhaal's voice in this cat's Instagram story?" And he commented on it and was like, "Good ear." So <laughs> people were like, "Is this, this the cat?" Her? And my this friend and I at work because we didn't get to do the uh, junket for that one, unfortunately. And every day she's like, "Why hasn't anyone asked, asked him about the cat? Right? <laughs> is it his?" My favorite thing also now about like social media can be a blight, but what I love is when people like Ryan Reynolds exist on social media mm-hmm. and are just having a good time and like. The, the nonsense that happened over this year between Jake Gyllenhaal, Hugh Jackman, oh and Ryan Reynolds so funny. is so funny. And then, like, even with the the fake leak of Detective Pikachu, right, which right. is actually a spoof of a sketch from Jordan, uh, from Key and Peele, that then, like, he he shared it, and then, like, Jordan Peele commented on, like, who did this? Like, it's I just it. magic. I love yeah. that those moments happen. It's and beautiful. It, it uh, reaffirms my faith in the human race a little <laughs> bit. But people can still have fun, because it's hard these days to kind of have fun all the time. Yeah, and I think the only way of doing that is if, like, you're just not looking at everything. Yeah. You know, you can't look at everything that everybody sends you if you're Ryan Reynolds. Otherwise, you'll probably, like, cry and not be the happy, lovely person that you are. Um, Um, Even though, who could be mean to Ryan Reynolds and why? Right. I mean, besides Hugh Jackman. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, And uh, for those hanging on, I did want to circle back to your favorite movie of 2019. Just because I haven't forgotten. I don't know. I I just was, like, briefly scrolling through. through the list? I think me, I, I did really love Far From Home and um, that was great. I think also maybe not favorite but like movie I'm really glad exists in 2019 um, Always Be My My Maybe. Oh yes. The Netflix rom-com with Ali Wong and Randall Park just I I mean I am fully on board for the renaissance of the rom-com. Me too. um, And doing it in ways like that that are first of all like really steeped in somebody's specific story. Yeah. Um and also just like 
told in 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 a different order than we're yeah. used to. Featuring Keanu Reeves, Reeves. as like an insane version of himself. <laughs> the songs oh, were yeah. great. I'm like, where is my Hello Peril album? <laughs> um, I just thought that was such a smart, great, and that's like those are the kinds of movies that should be on Netflix. Yeah, you I know, because they're not gonna get you're not gonna get all this money for a theatrical yeah. release for something like that, but. It made a huge impact, I thought. When I, it I agree. I mean, Keanu Reeves is having a Keanu sans. He's having say. a Keanu sans. Um, I miss, you know, and I, I miss those movies. Like having grown up, like when I started loving movies was in the '90s, and I miss those like mid-level comedies and dramas. Me too. And there's no like like moderately budgeted comedy dramas that come out now because who, who's no one goes to see them, them yeah um I, I will always hold a high pedestal for um keeping the faith which was a ben stiller <gasps> and norton romantic comedy are you kidding me rabbi jacob shram it, it's Jacob's just Shram. it's just it was such so a great good. movie and mm-hmm. like they don't make movies like that and so no, i haven't watched always beautiful. be my maybe yet but i need to but like oh, i did want to i did want to put in my own bid before we wrap up for the first candidate for the handsome gentleman oh, of yeah, 2019 is Who's I believe it? Keanu Reeves has to be on that oh, list. Oh, I've already I think yes. I chatted Kim that one day and I was yeah. like, you know we gotta this There's is no way. Year. Like it's his year. Come on. But my favorite thing is someone in an interview asked if he was aware of how popular he was on the internet. Oh, and he yeah. was clueless. He was like, that's wacky. Yeah, and I just I love that. Oh, also you know that Bill and Ted started Great. filming today. Oh, today, yeah. Um um Alex Winters posted a photo of him wearing a wild stallion. Jersey. I hope it's it's the uh, the half shirt because oh, that's what I need. Um, I'm I so excited wait. for that on a level. I wonder if there's going to be a tribute to, to Rufus at all in it. I imagine, but I'm so excited they casted their daughters. They're bringing yeah. back other cast members. I'm so excited for that movie, mostly because. Alex Winters has been doing such awesome, interesting stuff behind the camera. Yeah, and for him to now be working again. With with Keanu Reeves, who's had this wacky career at this point that's been all over the place, to come back and play characters they haven't played in so long, but that I'm I'm just interested to see how these characters have evolved because they have to have right. They can't be the same stoners they were, right. or you're doing Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and like we don't. That was fine for what it is, but we don't need another one of those. Like Dude, you want they're these... making another one. Though. I know. <laughs> right? I know. Uh, well, yeah, and too with Bill and Ted, it seemed like that came from the script. It was yeah. the right, the original writer They've Ed been Zollin, waiting. Yeah. who wrote this thing, and it was like it wasn't like oh we greenlit something, and then you guys got to write a script, and we're going to put twelve people on it. It yeah. was they came with something that had to be good enough to. And Alex Winters had been saying that, that in interviews for ages. Years. Like, um, I want to make it. We're waiting for the right script, you know, thing. And they've been speculating about this version of the script for years. Yeah. Like, it's been in process. And Counteries has been dropping hints all over the place for years and years. And so, mm. like, the fact that it's official now, they started filming today, I'm very excited. It has release date of next year, right? I think next year. Yeah. I'm just, I'm very excited for that. I have to rewatch the first two. Yeah. We liked, uh, even though everyone hated Bogus Journey, it was like. I love Bogus as Journey. As a kid, too, I was just like, this is hilarious. This also, the actor who death. plays Death, whose name I can't remember, but he was. Wayne Sadler, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is like. Why do I know that? Like an incredibly talented, dramatic yeah. actor. He's, who yeah, plays he's that like ridiculous super trained. Role. Yeah. That was kind of like seeing Bill Nye um, um, gush about Pokemon. Like, well, first being in Detective Pikachu, and while. His role was problematic from an ableist perspective, and I'm not getting into that again for the third time on another podcast. Yeah. Um, 
his love of Pokemon that he posted about genuinely after being cast in the movie. That was adorable. Like, that he's playing Pokemon Go, he's walking around his area in England, like, just catching Pokemon. Imagine running into him. Just catching Pokemon Pokemon and doing a raid together or something. Like, just amazing. I can dream about it. Um... Sage, thank you for being on my show. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I've been wanting to do this for so long. Um, I'm definitely going to bring you and Kim together back on here so we can do something fun uh, for a Head Over Fields crossover. But um, let people know on the internet where they can find you. Sure. Um, I am on Twitter at Sage Youngest. Um, That's also my Instagram. And you can follow Head Over Fields at Head Over Fields. Um, our Instagram is headoverfields.com and our website is headoverfields.com. And then you're on Bustle. They can and find And then ours. I'm on Bustle. Yeah, you can just like search my name and find my articles. Which I recommend you do and watch that Detective Pikachu interview first. It's, it was <laughs> delightful. Ryan Reynolds said my name. And, I know. And people I, were just like I writing back out. to me being like, he said your name. No, I was yeah. like, literally in the moment, I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> like, I'm sorry this can't happen. I gotta go. Um, the last thing I'll have you do is do our sign-off. It's the same sign-off we've had since way back when you were on last. It's, it perpetuates this idea that as long as you're making good art, life can't be that bad. So can you please sign us off with music is life and life is good? Absolutely. Music is life and life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at Crash Chords Web. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit WeBurlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good. <laughs>